Hey. How you guys doing? Great. Well, I'm happy to talk to you today. I feel some, uh, I feel uh, like a current in the room. We'll just get in it and let it take us. How many know that's the best way to live? Find the current and give in. <laughs> so let's just make a decision. We're going to listen to the Lord this morning and let joy fill our hearts. The conclusion of all Jesus' teachings at the end, he says, I've said these things to you so that my joy will be in you. Praise God. So if you don't know who I am, I'm Eric Gilmore. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just happy to be home with you guys. So let's, uh, let's pray. Just close your eyes. Let's pray. Jesus, draw our reluctant hearts to thee, we needy fly. To receive thy bliss, thy love imparts, drink and never die. Today, speak, Lord. We're listening. Amen. I want to talk to you about the love blood of God. I want to talk to you about the love-blood of Christ our bridegroom. In Genesis chapter 2, Verse 24, we see the very beginning of man and woman, and there's this phrase that is used that is so special. It's used in weddings all the time, and this is God's words to specifically describe a man and his wife. It says, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The joining means that the two have lost themselves in each other. The joining is the loss of self in another. The whole essence of this understanding of the two becoming one is this wonderful loss of self in another. If you look over at Ephesians chapter 5, Paul grabs a hold of this very statement, and he tells us something very interesting about it. As a matter of fact, if you look at verse 32, it says, this is a great mystery. I'm speaking with reference to Christ and his church. What is the great mystery? Well, verse 31, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two are no longer two. They are now one. This is a mystery. I'm telling you of Jesus and you. To me, there isn't anything that makes my heart leap more than this kind of language. Married to God. So I feel in my heart just to, uh, to remind you guys of his love blood, because it does a work on the inside, just the meditation, the setting of the mind. Upon the love blood of Christ our bridegroom, something happens on the inside. And I choose to make it a daily meditation. The love blood of God wins my heart. He swoops down from heaven, he grabs my heart, and he runs away to heaven with it. That's what the love blood does. It works wonders. In verse 23, we see Christ is the head. 24, we see that we are to be subject to Christ, meaning 
you give yourself wholly over to him. I mean, what kind of a woman would marry a man and he says, I'm only going to give you part of me? What kind of a man would marry a woman who a woman says, I'm only going to give you part of me? The whole essence of giving yourself to one another is the loss of yourself. And so we see this with Jesus in verse 25. Christ loved you, me, us so much that he gave himself in blood. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, it says, To him who loves us, not just loves, he loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. It's this love blood. It's this love blood. The bridegroom's love blood is a marriage proposal. The bridegroom's love blood has a sound on the inside of it, and it is this, will you marry me? It says that he gave himself for her to sanctify her. The word sanctify is really amazing. It has to do with setting apart. It's very much like Song of Solomon, where he says, let us run to the cleft of the rock away from everybody else, where you can be exclusively mine. He gave himself in blood so that you would be exclusively his. In other words, excluding everything else. I'm yours, Lord. That's marriage. That's the love blood call. And we respond to the love blood proposal and we say, yes, Lord, I will marry you. And that's our purity is our singularity. People are working on this issue and that issue. Forget the issues. Look at the love blood and then give yourself to him and you'll find that he works all things so well. Praise God. So we see in verse 28 and 29 that he will nourish, listen to these words, the love blood, the love blood bridegroom, the bridegroom of blood to me, praise God. It says here that he nourishes and cherishes you. In other words, he tends to you, gives you everything that you need, and he does it with such loving care for you. He cherishes you. I pray you see the love blood fresh today. And that you'll see that in that love blood, he comes in to nourish you and cherish you. The power of realizing this covenant marital joining, the power of realizing this love blood and your yielding into marriage to Christ is so powerful. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at what this thought of the love blood does. In verse, in chapter 6, verse 16, just to give you a little bit of background, in Corinth, they are living for themselves in certain areas. And they are trying to find satisfaction in certain areas in their lives, specifically sexually. But really, sexually is just uh, it's a surface, it's a fruit of a root issue. The root issue is independence. And then the fruit of that root issue of independence is called all kinds of stuff. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there's this independence manifesting itself in self-gratification. And this is how Paul treats it. Verse 16, he quotes... A man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one. 
In other words, did you forget you're married? Then he goes on and he says this incredible statement. He says, you are not your own. That's another way of saying, did you forget that you lost yourself in another? Did you forget you have a head? Did you forget that you have one who cherishes you and nourishes you? Did you forget that you're married to God? This is his chosen way of dealing with sin. And I think it's so much better than just trying to grit your teeth and obey black and white. Is recognize the love blood and let him steal your heart away and say, oh, yes, that's right. To you, I give my eyes. I have eyes for you only, Lord. And that's my desire is, is you. He goes on and he says this. He reminds them in the face of their failures. He says, do you not know? In other words, have you completely lost the sense of your spiritual union with God? Here's the power of accepting and yielding to and saying yes to the love blood that says, will you marry me? What happens is it installs God on the inside of you. You become his habitation. And Paul is saying, you said yes to the love blood. Did you forget that you're married? And did you forget that he lives in you? Because that would destroy the root of this independence that's causing you to do all these other things. For a season of my life, I used to use this phrase, I married in my heart. Nobody knew, it was just personal. When I would feel something contrary to God rise up in my heart, it didn't matter what it was, competition, comparison, or lust of any kind, it would just pop up in my head and I would say, personally, no one knew, I would say, I'm married. I'm married. In other words, I'm not looking to you to satisfy anything here because I have someone who satisfies me. <laughs> Praise God. He's saying... Paul is looking at them and he's saying, you're not merely human. You've got the spirit of the living God inside of you. Paul is saying to them, you're filled with the all-satisfying God. What is it that any of these things can give you that can't come from the all-satisfying creator of the universe? What do you think that can do for you when God wants to be all to you? It's a lie above all lies that there is a satisfaction that doesn't come down from heaven. I ask you a question. What, what, what is it that has more of our attention than the bridegroom? Who is it that has more attention in your life than the bridegroom? I'll tell you this. They didn't bleed for you. What, what is it? What is it that, that thing, that interest, that has more of your attention than Christ? I have one question for you. Did it rise from the dead for you? Everything pales when you put the face of Jesus next to it. Period. It doesn't matter what it is. Because that's how powerful he is. So, and this is not by our own efforts or our own works or our own doing. It's the love blood of the heavenly Solomon, the love blood of the heavenly Hosea. It's the one who shimmers and shines and gives pleasures greater than anything men can find. See, you're not a beast craving and grunting, pursuing and hunting. You're the wife of the Lamb of God. I, I'll be the first one to say, I need to keep these things in front of my face every single day. The love blood calls me away. And there we go to enjoy 
his precious presence. And in verse 29, we see that uh, you've been bought with a price. Paul wants you to remember that this costs something. You've been bought with a price. The word price specifically shows us that there was something that was paid, something that was done, something that was very important, very powerful, very valuable. That's the love blood of God. That's the price. And he's saying you've been bought with a price. Dr. Craig Keener, he says that the language and context of this word bought has to do with being delivered out from underneath a slave driver and the tyranny of self-rule. But not just delivered out from underneath the tyranny of self-rule and that horrible slave driver, but taken from there, which is slavery, into spouse. He doesn't just set you free and then say, okay, go ahead, you got it. He sets you free and then he says, and I'll take you with me and I'll be everything you need me to be. It's from slave, not just slave to free, it's slave to spouse. Praise God. You can find all in him and he will be all. See, are we the bride of Christ yet content to live without his presence? That's the question. How much attention does his presence have in our lives? That's how you can tell what he really means to you. See, Tozer said, he would not have made us to be satisfied with nothing less than his presence if he intended for us to go on with nothing more than his absence. He created you to be satisfied with him. There is nothing more satisfying than God. Everything is a is an inferior shadow. Even marriage, how wonderful marriage is, it itself is as inferior to your heavenly marriage as my shadow is to my person. You look at my shadow here on the stage, you cannot come to know me by my shadow. But you can see something of me in my shadow. And marriage is wonderful, but it's inferior to the heavenly bridegroom who gave love blood for you. <laughs> Praise God. So sometimes we're seeking to find him or seeking to find her or seeking to find this or seeking to find that. And I say it again, none of these things bled for you. None of these things gave love blood for you. None of them. Jesus has done something far beyond anyone else. Galatians 3.13, we see that Jesus, the love blood one, the love blood bridegroom, he has become a curse for us. Praise God. Hebrews 9, 12, he didn't send an angel. He didn't leave us to the blood of the old covenant, but through his own blood, he entered once for all. Praise God, that's insane. He has inaugurated a new and living way by his own love blood. In other words, inauguration means he's the first one in and now you can follow him in, not based on your own performance or your own acceptance, but based upon his love blood, you can walk right in. Praise God. I'll give you a little secret. The scripture says that you can approach the throne of grace in time of need. The wonderful, wonderful secret is if you stay needy, you don't have to leave. <laughs> Just stay low, constantly saying how bad I need you, Lord, how bad I need you, Lord, how bad I need you. This is the most spiritually developed prayer I've ever heard in my life. Oh, Lord, I need you. Sometimes we want to we fly off into high lofty things and God's just looking for the one who's going to go low enough. And recognize him as all. First Peter 1.18, we see that even silver and gold 
disintegrate next to the lamb unblemished. The spotless love blood of Christ our husband. The master who bought us from slave into spouse. Oh, heaven will sing forever of this man who was slain in his own blood to purchase for God humanity. <laughs> he gave up. He, I, 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 I tried to sit there and think of a story that would convey the gospel. Like some type of really cool story. And I had this one collected and I had this one collected. And I'm like, I need to try to somehow explain the gospel without specifically saying the gospel. Give me an imagery, an analogy, something. And I came to this conclusion. And it's this, that the gospel is such an exhibition that it is too grand for a parallel. You can't find really anything that can mix with it in every point. Maybe a little small smidgen of something that Christ did in one story and then maybe another to have another. Nothing can compare to what this gospel actually is. Nothing. And so we say, O soul, wonder above all wonders, Christ, this love blood. An incomprehensibility above all admiration, a depth past finding out. If you and your sins fear justice, look to Christ. He's a sanctuary. If your offenses tremble before the judge, look to Christ, your advocate. If the creditor threatens you with prison, look at Christ, your bail. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Praise God. You won't find a romantic movie that can come close to blood dripping from a tree and creating a symphony for you. You won't find anything like it. Because what Jesus has done cannot be matched. What Jesus has done is love so high, it's hard for you to even believe. It's love so grand that if you just turn your gaze towards it, you'll be blinded to everything else. Yes, it is this love blood. So I say, be ravished, my soul. And bless the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is worthy of eternal praise and hallelujahs unending. Praise God. And I say we sit here underneath this glorious understanding of Christ, our bridegroom. And we gaze upward from the foot of the cross at that splendid spectacle until we're completely reddened with his precious blood and softened in that sweet bath that our hard hearts that are harder than stone will actually spring forth with life and will sense him and will feel him and will be taken into him. Oh, his death, his death will raise you from the grave. It'll darken the sun and tremble the earth and he'll split you open like the veil of the temple, praise God. This is what the love blood does. If he descended into hell, then he can definitely descend into my heart. Oh, Lord, descend into the hell of my heart and liberate me with your visitation. Praise God. Praise God. I wonder if somebody would believe the gospel with me fresh today. Today, like today, say, oh, my goodness, God has become a man, suffered and died and taken my place and then given me his standing and then sent into me his very own spirit there's nothing more romantic than this there's no love blood bridegroom better than this and if you just yield to it oh he'll win your heart again and again and again and again praise God so this this wonderful love blood 
to really see it, to really believe it, means that he holds your affection without any competition. If, if he can't hold your affection without competition, somewhere you have taken your eyes off the love blood. Somewhere. Most of our depressions and these sorrows and these struggles and frustrations and unhappiness is really the sad fact that we've kept communication open with some other potential. They become doors. These things that we don't relinquish to God become doors for other thought patterns to come in. Nothing is more safe than being helpless before God. And when we abandon ourselves there, we realize that to entertain sin is to invite sorrow. And we realize that to give place to ourselves is to forfeit God as your satisfaction. So, uh, I guess I'll end with this. Yeah. Imagine a guy. He's at church. A girl walks in in the back. He sees her and she's so beautiful. And he says, I got to talk to that girl today. So he walks up to her and he says, I was stricken by the sight of you. I'd give anything to take you to dinner just once. And she says, okay. They go to dinner and they spend some time together and then they start spending all their time together. And before you know it, they're laying on the grass in a noonday picnic and he looks over at her and he brushes her hair out of her beautiful face and he says this, marry me. And she turns to him and says, you know, if you marry me, that means you're saying goodbye to all the other girls. And his response is, such is my love for you, only you forever. That's the marriage picture, the covenant picture. The only due response to the love blood proposal is forsaking all others, keeping only to thee. Praise God. We can say... With John Wesley, John Wesley wrote about this. He says, here in Christ, we're dedicated to him and inhabited by him. So yield, yield your bodies and all their members, as well as your souls and every faculty as instruments of righteousness, devoted and employed all for him unreservedly forever to his glory. Praise God. So I guess the only thing that I want to say to you today is this is the word of the Lord to remind you of his precious blood. Myself, Christ says, myself I present to you as one sent to you, mocked and rent for you, blood spent for you, death sentenced to cross shame and grave. Oh, let me save you again. Only I can mend through the spirit I send. So come to me, be one with me, unto me live and give your soul and you'll behold and you'll know my father. Are there any others with affections greater than mothers and deeper than lovers? Oh, let me smother your sins away and cover you with my pinions and lay you on my chest. Quieted rest and ended quest, stilled and caressed. Oh, I'm the best for you. Through making you new by a love you've never known with a substance I alone am, for I am the Son of Man. I wonder if this is what God is saying just to us fresh today. I know I gotta do this every day. I write down in my journal, I marry you daily, Lord. But maybe the Lord is saying, Marry me, let me be all to thee. 
None can be what I can be. Give ears to hear and eyes to see. Lift you above life's miseries. Fill your heart with joy and peace. Thrill your soul with ecstasies. Lift you into my victories. Love you now and endlessly and marry you eternally. Father, I pray even now that we, each one of us, hearing of your love blood fresh today, that we would bow our knees in submission to such love, a love that conquers the soul, a love that conquers the mind, a love that conquers the will. Oh, you, you conquer our wills by melting our hearts with the heat of your love blood. So send it down fresh. Send it down on me fresh. Send it down on every person here fresh. Just put your hand on your heart right there. Just begin to ask the Lord to open your eyes to see the gospel. Say, Lord, open my eyes to believe the gospel, to feel it in my bones, to feel its liberty, its purity, its power, and that it is enough. For in it I see you as you really are. Oh, God. You as you really are. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Oh, God, take away hardness and arrogance. Make us like little children, Lord. And we'll worship you. We'll worship you. The way you deserve to be worshipped and loved and adored. Praise you right there we're almost finished but just begin to open your mouth if you want to stand you can but let's just begin to worship right right here in the midst of his sweet love blood fragrance let's just begin to worship him this love blood has one response that is worthy of it and it is to say oh lord there's not one like you praise you worship yeah just open your mouth You deserve it. You deserve it. <laughs> yeah, you do. And God, you became a man. You took on flesh. You're so beautiful. Oh, and God, you became a man. You put on flesh oh you're so beautiful come on sing this with me oh and God you you you're so 